first of all, I had no idea in my wildest dreams that I think we were going to be down 35 points at halftime. That's, that's never happened uh, in, in my career. Hopefully it never does again. M. Bear Rasing. That was the Bucks up in Chicago. This is another rendition of A Few Extra Bucks on PeterPirates.com. I'm Mike Neighbors. First of all, we got to thank our title sponsors, House of Brews and Lutes on the corner of North Del Mabry and Van Dyke and Sea Dog Brewing Company. We canvas the Tampa Bay area. Our other co-title sponsor, they're in Treasure Island on the beach and in Clearwater. We're going to bring in Justin Thomas, our producer, and Roy Cummings, our Buccaneer insider. And you've had a few days to digest this Bears loss. And we broke it down, obviously, after the game. But uh, do you feel any better, Roy, after uh, just kind of sitting on it for a few days? Yeah, you know what? I do, actually. And here's why. Um, yeah, it was a it was an ugly, ugly loss. Uh, very disappointing, um, considering the way they started and the way things were going for this team early on. You know, you thought there was a bit of a hiccup there and uh, against uh, – uh, Pittsburgh, and now you now you watch them play against Chicago on the road, and you think, well, you know, that's not maybe that wasn't a hiccup, maybe that's who the Bucks are. Um, so we're a little bit, you know, that's kind of where we are. We're in limbo. Who are the Bucks? Are they the two and zero Bucks that had everybody so excited under Ryan Fitzpatrick, or are they the zero two team that uh, suddenly can't uh, can't stop anybody for at least half the game, if not more, um, defensively, uh, not as not quite as sharp offensively. My guess is there's somewhere in between, um, which kind of brings me back to where I thought this team was to begin with. So um, I'm encouraged by this, Mike and Justin. I'm encouraged by the fact, and this is something Dirk Cutter mentioned, um, this team is one game out of first place at the quarter pole of the season at 2-2. Two and two. I, I understand it all looks a little bit different now, but if you'd have told me that they were going to be 2-2 two and two in a game out of, the fir- out of first place in the division after the, a quarter of the season – Going in, I would have said, I'll take it. I think everybody else would have said, I'll take it. Now, we're not happy with a lot of things that are going on defensively in particular, but offensively, I think you still have reason to be excited. I think there's reason to believe the defense can, um, you know, get better. It has to get better. But, uh, yeah, I'm not discouraged, really. I, I believe that, you know, you think – you look at the NFL and it's and it's all – the season is, is looked upon – um, as if it's a game by teams and coaches, they're at the they're one quarter in at the You know how many games are decided in the first quarter in the NFL? Very few. So this season isn't decided. Uh, so I'm still encouraged. I think there's reason to be uh, excited going forward. Um, we'll see how they do. I'm so yeah. I'm I, I don't feel anywhere near as bad as I did uh, after that game uh, w- was over on Sunday. Well, Roy, my friend, my colleague, um, I, I just – I don't know who this team is. That, that's where I'm at right now. Who, who are these guys? And I think the one thing I've changed since the last time we've talked is, is it a good time for the bye week? I thought it was the worst time ever to have a loss like that. Maybe now it's a good time for this team to kind of rethink things, to play upon what you said. You know what? We're 2-2. Two and two. We're still in this. We have a lot to fix. And it's not too late, so let's fix it right now. I think there's something to be said for that. So I've kind of changed my tune on the timing of this bye week. What do you think? Yeah, I like it. I mean, look, I think it comes at a good time because I think this is this is a good time, in my opinion, for the Bucks to look back at things and say, okay, what did we do so well early on? What are we not doing well enough at this point? How do we fix the defense? 
I think it's better to, you know, take an opportunity, fix it now, than go halfway through the season, be in week seven or eight. Exactly. Try to fix it then. So I think it's better if, if you're going to get a fix in, get it in now. So I think it's a good time. Yeah, I think it's a good time for the bye week, really. Justin, have your emotions changed at all in a few days? Yeah, I think it's always good to have time to reflect. Uh, I think something else, too, to think about is this: both the Saints and the Falcons also seem to have horrible defenses right now. So it's not like the Bucks are really out of this. If they can just be a little bit better on defense than the Saints and the Falcons are, I don't see why not they can't turn it around, make a run. You know, you know what's weird about the NFC South? And we'll get into the Bucks obviously, in a second here. Nobody's really talking about Carolina. It's all about New Orleans was the big favorite. Atlanta was the big favorite. The Bucks were the surprise team. I don't know what to think of Carolina right now. They, they're coming off a bye week. They've looked decent so far. Um, they finally have help with Cam Newton. But to me, that's that's the weird dynamic in the NFC South. I have no idea what to expect of Carolina right now, Roy. I, I well, have no idea. I know one thing. Uh, you know, they're 2-1, and one, and yeah. I wouldn't sleep on that football team. I'm with you. It, it's hard to know, you know what, what's going on with them, but um, that's a team I fear. I just think that um, there, there's a lot of MVP-caliber players on that team. And uh, I like their coach a lot. I like their schemes a lot. Um, you know, and, and I, I think that's a team to watch. I just, you know, to me, this division is just so hard to call. It's just so hard to call. Um, you know, you guys might have seen the Saints being 3-1 and one at this point. Uh, I wouldn't argued with it, but I, I, don't, I wouldn't have seen the Falcons at 1-3. Um, yeah. You know, again, I'm, I'm probably a little bit surprised the Bucks are 2-2. Two and two, So, um, you know, it's, it's just so hard to call right now. But the thing that – the thing about this – you mentioned the Panthers and, and what Justin just said about, you know, look, the Saints and – it's not like the Saints and the Falcons are, are stopping anybody either. Um, 122 points given up by the Falcons, 121 points given up by the Saints, you know, just slightly better than the 139 given up by the Bucks. But, oh, look at the Panthers, 60 points given up. That's it. Only 71 a lot uh, scored, but only 60 given up. Half, half of what uh, supposedly, you know, what, what the Saints have given up. So in one less game, but still, um, man, I, I just to me, that's, uh, that's, that's reason to believe that that team can still finish on top here. Well, I, I think this about uh, you know, the NFC South right now. Um, you know, the, the Falcons have an excuse because of injuries. Um, but the Bucks right now, I think you can point to injuries too in the secondary. And I may have softened my stance a little bit on Mike Smith, but, but here's the bottom line, Roy. They were the worst defense in the NFL a year ago. And I, I don't care how banged up you are on defense, you can't give up six touchdowns to Mitchell Trubisky, who had seven touchdowns all of last season. You just can't, you can't do that. So something has to happen on this defense. But we do know this here in Dirk Cutter's press conference this week. Mike Smith isn't going anywhere, and he says it has nothing to do with loyalty. You can believe that if you, if you wish. But here's what Dirk Cutter said about Mike Smith. Mike Smith didn't miss any tackles. He did not not rush the passer. He didn't blow any coverages. He didn't have any communication errors. Uh, sure, every, the play callers on both sides of the ball would love to have calls back. I mean, anything that doesn't work. But uh, we, we have to figure that out. And the nice thing about having a bye right now is, you know, we got, we got four games of our own to look at. We go back, uh, we do a self-scout every year this time. We study ourselves. And, you know, we're just giving up way, way, way too many explosive passes. 
What do you think of that, Roy? I agree with him 100%. And the fans are going to think I'm crazy. Most of them will anyway, because, you know, fans always want somebody fired because that always fixes everything, doesn't it? Um, I don't know if, I don't know if this, it was uh, on this podcast or somewhere else that I mentioned it. I said, yeah, yeah, firing the coach. That, that's really worked out well for the Buccaneers once. Um, and I'm still not convinced that had they kept Tony Dungy, they wouldn't have won a Super Bowl. Um, so, yeah, that's worked out once. Um, has it worked out since? No. Um, you know, the Bucks. how many teams do you see fire coordinators a quarter of the se- quarter of the way into the season. You seldom if ever see it. Now the Bucks actually have a little bit of, you know, kind of experience in this because remember when Jeff Tedford couldn't answer the bell because of health issues a few years back? Yep. Remember what happened to the offense? Yep. It was a mess. And now the difference that the cynics will say or the people arguing against me on this will say is, oh, well, we're not talking about not having a coordinator. We're talking about just promoting someone. Oh, okay, yeah, right. That's a real good idea. Go and promote somebody who's never done it before. And I don't want to hear that Mark Duffner did it. If Mark Duffner did it and did it well as a coordinator, he'd be a coordinator in the NFL. He's a linebacker's coach, okay? That's it. There's a lot of people who look at the Buccaneers and don't think that Dirk Cutter is a head coach, that he's a coordinator. Play to your strengths. If you're, if you're a coordinator, you're a coordinator. If you're a, a line coach, be a line coach. If you're a, a position coach, that's what you do. You don't try to, you don't just because somebody once did it in college or, you know, for six games, you know, for some other team and failed at it in essence, you don't suddenly make him the coordinator just because you want to change because everybody thinks changes work. They don't. You don't change coordinators in, in midstream like this. It, it would be disastrous worse than you have now because what are you going to do? You're not going to change the scheme. That's the thing. You're not going to change the scheme. You might change a few things, and this could be done with Mike Smith or anybody else, really. Um, You can change a few things within the scheme, make some adjustments, but if you think that they're going to change the scheme now completely, that's not going to happen because the scheme is built around the players that they have, and you have to follow that scheme because you can't go teaching guys new stuff. It takes months to install a scheme. That's what OTAs, off-season workouts, training camp, preseason is all about. That the Bucks have come out playing horribly in this scheme and have done it consistently does suggest there's some problems with the scheme. But I still contend that the problems are with the players in the back end where they just have not had superior talent and still don't. And right now, they, they might have some kids who are going to be pretty good one day, but they're not that good right now. And you can look at the stats, folks. Uh, the, the rookies, Carlton Davis, uh, MJ Stewart, they're getting schooled. They're, they're, they're giving up uh, almost as many completions as, as, as they're targeted. It was that way for MJ Stewart last week. I think he was targeted seven times, gave up six completions for 80-some yards and a touchdown. This is what happens when you put rookies and young players, inexperienced players, in a position against, you know, uh, high-caliber quarterbacks. And I'm not saying that uh, Mitch Trubisky's that guy. Uh, there were a lot of mistakes in that defense last week. A lot of them came from – but a lot of them came from linebackers, guys who've been in the defense. Um, but when you go against Drew Brees and uh, Ben Roethlisberger, you're going to get schooled, and that's what's happening right now. Yeah. I, I, to me, this is what's tough about being a general manager. And, and obviously they have more – in information than I have. But Brent Grimes, to me, I thought that was a great move in the offseason. 
Well, he just looks like he's done, Roy. Uh, I mean, and you really need Brent Grimes more than ever because of what you've just said, because of the injuries, because of the inexperience. And if Grimes can't pick it up, I mean, I just don't see the secondary picking it up that much. I mean, these young guys, you know, how much can you expect from them? We've talked about these podcasts. When you're a cornerback in the NFL, it's a steep learning curve. And these guys are going to face it, and it doesn't get easy in the NFC South as they progress here. If Grimes can't rebound, they're in trouble, Roy. Yeah, I think you're right. And I sort of get the feeling that he's kind of been put out there uh, maybe a little bit ahead of schedule because I think there's concern about these young guys. And I think right now the, the concern is that, yeah, we're, we're going to get embarrassed here. We've got to get our best cornerback, our, our most experienced cornerback, Brent Grimes, out on the field. And if we don't get him out on the field, it's going to be bad. And I think maybe they may have rushed him along and put him out there a little bit too soon. I don't think he's healthy. Um, you know, I guess the word was that he was benched. But to be honest with you, I think the Bucks are basically – I mean, it's look, it might be the reason Chris Conti had to play against, you know, with, a, with, a, with an injured knee as it is against uh, the Steelers. And it very well may be the Brent Grimes is playing hurt, uh, even though he's finally been cleared to play. So um, none of that would surprise me. I, I think the Bucks are so desperate in the secondary, um, and they realize that these kids are not quite ready for the role that they've been thrust into because of injuries – that they're pushing guys out there who are still hurt a little bit, and they're not getting 100 percent out of them. Well, I mentioned uh, Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, you know, you could you could look at the Bucks defense and say, okay, well, you know, they played Drew Brees, uh, future Hall of Famer, Nick Folk, Super Bowl MVP, Ben Roethlisberger, future Hall of Famer. But then you had Trubisky, and then the whole narrative changes a little bit. But here's what Dirk Cutter said about the state of his football team in this bye week. We're two and two, and we're you know we're probably. Not as bad as people uh, people thought, but uh, you know, not the way you want to go into your bye week. But we got two weeks to get ready for the Falcons when the players will be back in another week, and we'll we'll get after them. One thing Dirk Cutter said that was uh, noteworthy, not very surprising, is that Jameis Winston is going to be the starting quarterback when they return to play the Atlanta Falcons. I thought it was interesting, Roy, that he said that uh, he found out about Jameis Winston's suspension on a vacation this offseason, Jason Light called him, and the first thing he did was look at the schedule. And we looked at the schedule. He said, oh, okay, Pittsburgh in week three. That's going to be a short week with the Bears coming the next week. So he even thought back then that Ryan Fitzpatrick would play the first four games. Now he had a caveat with that, saying if Fitzpatrick played well, he'd keep on playing. But if he didn't, he'd bring in Jameis Winston. Now, I don't know if I believe Dirk Cutter or not, but if he believed that, he should go play the lottery right now because that's how it unfolded. I mean, that's exactly what happened. And to me, anybody who said Jameis Winston shouldn't come in the second half, I really disagree with that. I thought if there's a perfect time to kind of squash this quarterback controversy or to, to, to have the transition happen, that was the time at the halftime. Yeah, I thought it happened organically. Um, you know, it seemed to me like the, the timing was perfect. It was just right. Um, you're out of the game. It's a perfect opportunity to – to see what Jameis looks like after three weeks off. Um, he's eligible to play. Put him out there, you know, because he is your best quarterback. You know, see where he's at. Um, see how, see if he can move the team. I don't think anybody put him in there thinking that he was supposed to spark the team and, and bring him back to, you know, uh, pull out a victory. I don't think anybody expected that. If it happened, wonderful. But, um, you know, the chances of Ryan Fitzpatrick doing that were slim and none too. So yes. why not get a look at Jameis Winston? Uh, especially if the game plan is that, look, once he's 
pretty much ready to go, he's going to be our quarterback, which seems like that's kind of been the plan, is that as soon as James is ready to go, all things being equal, we're going to go with him. And I think based on the way we saw Ryan Fitzpatrick play, you know, in the first half in particular against uh, the Steelers and in the first half against the Bears, you could say, okay, he's he's kind of plateaued here. Uh, he had his, his nice run. It, it was exceptional. Um you know, and uh, now he's kind of back to being Ryan Fitzpatrick. So let's go with our guy. Here's what Dirk Cutter said about the move to make Jameis Winston his starter. I had no intention of making a quarterback change, but when we were down 35, five touchdowns at halftime, uh, I thought it was a perfect time to get Jameis in and get him some timing uh, with, uh, with NFL game speed that he's been out for a month. Short and sweet uh, right there. I, and I, don't, I don't disagree with Dirk Cutter on that note at all. Let's talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick, though. Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, I think the Bucks are fortunate to have him. And obviously Jameis Winston is, too. He could have walked back in that building. And if they had a bad backup, who knows what this football team would be. The fact that Fitzmagic did his thing, especially in the first two games, will help this team if they can rebound from Chicago and move forward. But here was Ryan Fitzpatrick on the move to make Jameis Winston the starter and to make him the backup. Jameis is, is back, and Jameis is, is the guy. He's the face of the franchise. He's going to do a great job. Uh, but, yeah, it's not, it's not like it's a, a happy day for me. I, I enjoy being out there. And you knew Ryan Fitzpatrick would handle it in this way, Roy. Yeah, but you can tell in his voice uh, th- this stung, and, and, and it should. Um, here's a guy who just um, he, he put to go, together a Hall of Fame, literally a Hall of Fame caliber uh, three-game run as the quarterback of this team, uh, led them to two victories, was not the reason they lost either of the other two games. Let's make that clear. Um, and, and he's out because he's not the face of the franchise. I, I think he feels like, you know, what more can I do to, to earn an opportunity to keep on playing? Um, I think he's stung a little bit, a lot, and, and he has a right to be. It, it's, it's unfortunate for him um, that this is how it works out. Uh, I, I feel bad for him. I really do. Um, I, I'm not sure it's fair, to be honest. But this is the NFL, and this is how it works. Um, you know, the Bucks have uh, big decisions to make, you know, regarding Jameis Winston in the future. He is their number one quarterback. Uh, so, you know, he's got to go in there and play for him. Uh, but, you know, I think the Bucks have to keep an open mind here. I, I think if things suddenly – go south with Jameis Winston, and I don't think they will, but if Jameis Winston suddenly goes out there and starts playing some, you know, knucklehead football, um, I, I wouldn't hesitate to return to Ryan Fitzpatrick and just say, look, I've got, we got to win football games here. So if I hope they keep an open mind on this, um, but, you know, it's unfortunate that this is just the way it works in, in the NFL. You're, you're number one for a reason, you know, uh, look, Nick Foles ended up winning the Super Bowl for the Eagles, but as soon as Carson Wentz was ready, he goes back in. And that's the way it is with almost any team. Yeah, let's get a little more from Ryan Fitzpatrick. I, I agree with you. You hear it in his voice. He was stung by this, and uh, any competitor would be. And here's what Ryan Fitzpatrick, to give a little perspective, uh, gives us some insight on a conversation he had with his father. What I said to my dad after, you know, how we – one win and, and week two and, and then week three was basically the best way I could put it was I'm either going to win the NFL MVP this year or I'll be back on the bench at some point. And I, that's just the reality of the situation. 
So, Roy, obviously that's the, the day in the life of a backup quarterback. You never know. Like I said, that's that's the life you lead. And the, really the only way he was going to stay in there was probably if the, you know if there was an injury. And it may be the only way he gets back in there. Although, like I said, just a second ago, let's. I hope the Bucks keep an open mind here. Um, they know now that they can win with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, I, I think there's a little bit of pressure on Jameis Winston to prove they can win with him consistently. Um, because I, I think right now – you know, the other thing is that there's quite a chemistry there with the, with Ryan Fitzpatrick and these receivers. So, um, you know, I think there's a little bit of pressure on James to come out and play at a very, very high level. Uh, he's, you know, it's going to be hard to match what Ryan Fitzpatrick did, but he's got to come pretty close. And, of course, the way to, to ma- match him is to win and just play winning football. Yeah, uh, you know, let's, this is the bye week uh, edition of a few extra bucks. You know, the bucks may be off, but we're never off here on a few extra bucks. And to me, Roy, what is your biggest concern? I mean, we, we've broken down the secondary. We've talked about the defense, um, but the running game hasn't looked good either at this point. You know, to me, you know, the state of the Bucks, Dirk Cutter kind of touched on it, but what's your biggest concern about this football team right now? It, it's got to be the defense because I'm just, look, they don't have much of a choice here, you know, because of injuries. You've lost Chris Conti. You've lost Vernon Hargraves. Um you know, I'm not sure about Brent Grimes at this point. You're being forced to play a lot of young guys. We've talked about it before. And the concern I have is that the defense is just never going to match um, the level that the Bucks wanted to need it to be at. Look, they've scored as many points as they've scored consistently, um, you know, with without a running game. And and that's a that, that to me, that's that's miraculous. Yeah. Uh, because the running game is a big, important part of this, you know, offense. It really is. And to have scored as much as many points as they did in the first two games in particular, um, and and also against Pittsburgh without the, a running game, it, to me, is just amazing. It, it's a testament to, to what Ryan Fitzpatrick was doing, to what the passing game can do. Um, but without a running game, sooner or later, it's, it's just going to get tougher and tougher. And so they need that too. But uh, without and also without a running game, it's just going to be harder on the defense. So the running game is an important part, but the defense has got to figure out a way to somehow, uh, you know, they just got to cut it back. I mean, you can't give up 30 points a game. You, you've, you've got to cut that back to, you know, 20 something, maybe 20, 23, 24. I mean, nobody's asking these guys to be, uh, you know, Brooks, Sapp, and Lynch. Uh, give us 17 and we'll take care of the rest. Um, I, I don't think that has to happen, but give us 23 and we'll take care of the rest. Uh, that, that shouldn't be too much to ask of a defense in the NFL. No doubt. I, you know, I knew you would say the defense. I agree. I know Justin agrees with the defense, too. Here's what Dirk Cutter said about all the coverage breakdowns uh, from the secondary in Chicago. And, uh, and obviously it's a big focal point in turning this defense around. Anytime things go wrong on a con- consistent basis, Rarely is it one thing, you know, if it was one thing, that would be easy to fix. But when it's when it's one one thing here, one thing here, maybe it's rush one time, coverage one time, maybe it is call one time. Maybe it's just a great play by them. But when it's when it's 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 very rarely just one thing that you can say, oh, we just got to play more man. Oh, we just got to play more zone. Oh, we just got to blitz more. It usually isn't that. I get the feeling you'd agree with that, Roy. I do. Look, fans, you know, I I can't tell you how many times this week I've heard, 
Why aren't they blitzing more? Why aren't they doing this more? Just play more man. Yeah, yeah, he's right. No, those aren't the answers. Um, and the reason I say they're not the answers is because it's just not that simple. You know, if that, as Dirk said, if it were that simple, you would you would do more. And you, it does it just doesn't work that way. And and the thing that is most amazing to me is this is a defense that is designed not to allow those big plays, those big explosive plays that the Bucks are giving up. That's what's killing them. And this zone defense that they play, uh, single high safety, a lot of cover two, that kind of thing, it's designed not to give up those plays. The fact that they are tells me that it's not necessarily the scheme, uh, it's the players. Now, whether the scheme is too difficult for the players, I, I might agree with that. Maybe they need to dummy it down a little bit. And I don't you know, mean that in a, in a negative way towards the players, but it's a scheme that I think you need to be a little bit more of a veteran have a little bit, be- little bit of veteran savvy in order to play well and play effectively because there's so much communication that has to go on pre-snap so that everybody knows where they're going and not three guys aren't following one guy uh, through his route, which is what happened last week. So the real thing that has to happen is, no, it's not more blitzing. It's not more man coverage. It's not a different scheme. It's not what it is is – the players have to get up to speed on the scheme and what their assignments are. And if that means, you know, playing a little bit more vanilla defense, that might not be a bad thing because let's make sure the players can carry out their assignments, you know, on 10 or 12 plays before we ask them to start, you know, moving into page 412 of the playbook. Okay. I hear you. I hear you. You know what? I, I think to me right now, it's so, in this social media age, the media is always going to overreact. The fan base are always, not the media, but you know, some people in the media, the fans are always going to overreact, but especially with the social media, I can only imagine a guy like Dirk Cutter and some of his coaches, I don't know how Mike Smith is with any of that, but we know Dirk Cutter listens. You know, that that's a different dynamic that coaches had to deal with even 10 years ago. And but coaches have always had to deal with overreaction from fans and some from the media. But it's, it's bigger than ever right now. So when something like this happens, it's just, to me, times 10, especially a loss like that. And then they got to hear about it for two weeks, Roy, with this bye week. Yeah, you're right. And, and that's the tough thing about the bye week is that, uh, you know, it gives them an extra week to have to brood over this. As much as I said before, I wouldn't. And I, and I, I really do. I, I hope Dirk Cutter, you know, basically once they looked at the tape of this game, threw it out the window and said, forget it, at least for the players. Now, the coaches need to go back and look at it every day and figure out what went wrong and, and figure out a way to correct it. But as far as the players go, I, as I said in our podcast after the game last week, I would have just told the players, forget it. This is not who we are. Because that was the, that was the prevailing theme coming out of the locker room was that this is not who we are. And I agree. Uh, I don't think this is who they are. So, you know, you've got an opportunity starting next Sunday, not this coming Sunday, obviously, but when you go back to Atlanta, to prove that, no, this is not who we are. So start focusing on proving that this is not who you are, not figuring out, you know, what do we do wrong? Just go out and do what you do right and do it well. All right. Well, this is our 30th podcast. It's gone by fast. I was actually surprised when our steam producer, Justin Thomas, told me it was our 30th podcast. And uh, the number 30 is kind of elusive in sports, but we're going to touch on that in our favorite segment, as we close it out. Right, Justin? That's right. All 
All right, we're going to get to our Billy Joel Elton John poll because I was definitely, uh, you know, shoved in a corner by my colleagues here a few weeks ago. So we're going to get to that poll in just a bit. But, uh, you know, Roy, I, I wanted to get real creative with our 30th podcast and, and touch on uh, the great 30s that the Bucks have had in their team history. Can you even name the number 30 on the Bucks right now? Cannot. Okay. You know what? You're not alone. It's uh, Maurice Fleming. Okay. He's, there you go. Uh, he's on the. You know, injured reserve, defensive back. You know, maybe they could have used him if he was healthy. But uh, I was looking at some, uh, you know, even on the Super Bowl team, uh, Darian Barnes was number 30. You had Shevin Smith, number 30. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to find, like, all these great 30s and give you a multiple choice, but uh, I just couldn't make it happen, partner. That's a number that uh, has not uh, been worn well by Buccaneers, apparently. <laughs> I even looked back at uh, – I think it was a 79 team. I don't think there was a number 30 when they made the NFC Championship game. <laughs> so I think Shevin Smith was 30 on that 99 NFC Championship team. So anyway, well, listen, I'm going to use the number three in the first one because there is talk that the Eagles would only give up a third-round pick for one Le'Veon Bell. Now, if you were Jason Light, would you give up a third-round pick for Le'Veon Bell? Uh, no, I'm not doing it. Uh, you can't afford him at this point in the season. What's he going to do for you? I don't think he's going to do much. Uh, I don't know what kind of shape he's in. Um, I don't think you're going to keep him going forward. Uh, the, the money's too much. Uh, to me, it'll be too much of a distraction. I'm not I'm not wasting my time with it. Um, again, the, I think the Bucks have some pretty good running backs. They haven't run well yet. I think they will. Um, you know, I think they'll be fine at the running back position. I know they're looking at some people this week, but I wouldn't be looking at Le'Veon Bell. Too much money uh, and too risk, too much risk, in my opinion. You know, I, I, I don't know him too well, but I don't like the way he's handled things in Pittsburgh, frankly. And I think this is a good Bucks locker room. So I'm with you. I, I, I don't know. This running game really worries me, but it is amazing that the offense is – put up the numbers it has without it. But I don't know if he, you know, if he would hurt a, a good locker room too. So you kind of throw that on, uh, tack that on as well. All right. Speaking of number 30, Roy Cummings, and uh, we can bring Justin in for this too. Um, I did some quality research for this podcast. Trust me on that. The best 30 of all time in the world of sports. I have three names for you. Okay. Terrell Davis, Marty Brodeur, mm. or, or Nolan Ryan. It's got to be wow. Well, uh, <laughs> it's down to Nolan Ryan and Martin Brodeur for me. Um, I'm not. I, I was. I'm not. I'm not sure Terrell Davis is a Hall of Famer. So, but I know the other two are. Right. And boy, oh boy, that is a that is a tough, tough call. I know and you're a hockey guy too, so this is tough for you. Yeah, it is. Um, man, oh man. You know, at the end of the day, no, the, no, I'm not sure anybody will ever have as many no hitters as as Nolan Ryan in a career. I'll have to go with Nolan Ryan. Slight uh, edge. I'm definitely going with Nolan Ryan because, to me, first of all, I don't think you know there there are some athletes. You know, there are, there are a lot of great goalies. Marty Brodeur was exceptional. Terrell Davis, I agree. I don't, I'm not sure if he's a Hall of Famer. He would have been if he would have stayed healthy, no doubt about it. But, you know, sometimes you can't uh, merit that. But to me, Nolan Ryan, I don't know if we'll ever see another guy like that. Especially, you know, to me, not only the no-hitters, the strikeouts and all that, but <laughs> the way he beat up Robin Ventura, 
<laughs> I'm sorry, but I love that about him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're right. That, 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 that helps too. Um, and plus, you know, he was such an innings eater, man, at the, uh, you know, during his career as when he became a starter. I mean, he'd just go out there and, I mean, he'd just he'd give you 200 innings plus every year. Yeah, he was, yeah. he's just, that, that's tough to do. And, and I, this is no knock at all on Martin Brodeur. I mean, no, one of the, easily one of the 10 greatest goaltenders of all time in the NHL, maybe in the top five, um, certainly deserving, won championships, uh, outstanding player, just outstanding player. But, yeah, just a slight edge to Nolan Ryan because he did some stuff that nobody else has ever done and may, may, be, may, may never do again. What you got, Justin? Uh, well, as someone who really doesn't follow baseball too closely, uh, I would also go with Nolan Ryan. I mean, he's just one of those people that everyone knows, and his accomplishments are really astounding. So I agree with all with y'all. I really hate when we all agree, but that's okay. We'll we'll move forward here. The last question in our three and out. Okay, it's uh, 2018, right, guys? And um, yeah, correct. Bill. There's all kinds of pop culture anniversaries, okay, from uh, 30 years ago, which would be 1988, which really makes me feel old that 1988 was 30 years ago. All right, so which which 30th anniversary hits home the most with you, okay? You have the 30th anniversary of the debut of the Wonder Years show. You have oh, wow. the 30th anniversary of Straight Outta Compton debuting on the Billboard charts, and you have 30 years since Die Hard debuted in movie theaters across the country. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so I have to pick one, huh? Yeah, yeah. Let's see. Never watched The Wonder Years. Um, not a hip-hop fan. Um, you don't have N- NWA on your, uh, on your iPod? Sorry, ain't got it. Uh, <laughs> so I guess I have to go with Bruce Willis and uh, – uh yeah sorry i i gotta go with bruce willis and die hard man a lot of spinoffs there a lot of spinoffs you like the bachelor you like elton john but you don't like the wonder years come on roy that's what i was classic yeah um yeah i never watched it i didn't say i didn't like it i I might if i ever watched it i just i never watched it you know you know what's funny is die hard we all and this is a whole different discussion but we can throw it out there this would be kind of a springboard we all have a movie that we haven't seen that your buddies make fun of you. Like you haven't seen that really. You never, and Die Hard was like that for me. I didn't see Die Hard until probably the last couple of years. Really? Yeah. yeah. And did it uh, meet the expectations that you uh, had for it? Not really. It was okay. Die Hard, like Roy feels about the Wonder Years. Well, but but that's right. that's kind of that's kind of the deal. I mean, I saw it when it first came out. And I was kind of like, yeah, okay. You know, it, it was a nice little action film, a little yeah. stupid, you know, but uh, mostly unbelievable. But, you know, you, you have to put, you know, belief aside when you go to the movies. And I don't have a problem with that. But, um, yeah, I, I, I've always it's why I, I mean, I, I think I watched the one uh, the one of you. I watched Die Hard, but I don't think I watched Die Hard 2 or 3 or whatever the other spinoffs are from it. <laughs> wow. Wait, so, Mike, what's your answer then? Is it Wonder oh, Years? Oh, no doubt. Wonder Years. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. And, but I, I, I do like hip hop, though. I, I may surprise you on that. But if you looked at my iPod, I got a lot of hip hop. I love hip hop. But, uh, and actually, the NWA movie that just came out, 
in the last, you know, five years. Or so. That was a good movie too. Uh, I thought they did a really good job on that. But uh, I would, I would actually put Die Hard number three on that list of the anniversaries. Wow. Well, uh, we all agreed on the last one. It sounds like we're all going to disagree on this wow. one. <laughs> I love it. I love it though. I have to say first. I really think Die Hard's probably one of the best action movies ever made. Um, right. Up there with probably, I don't know, maybe The Predator. That's that's a great action movie as well. Uh, and then also as a big hip-hop fan, I, I think that, that album really cemented hip-hop and uh, made it a mainstream type album. So I have watched the Wonder Years. I like it, but I'll probably go Die Hard, then NWA, and then Wonder Years. Right. Well, I thought you were going to put NWA first there, man. I did too. No, almost did, but I think Die Hard is, to me, one of the best. It's actually might be one of my favorite Christmas movies as well, since it takes yeah, place. Yeah, see, now that's another debate. Is it really a Christmas? I understand it takes place at Christmas time. But is it really a Christmas I mean, movie? No, I mean, no, it's not a traditional Christmas movie, but it's still one I like to watch. I'm sorry. It's any a, chance, uh, I'll take any reason to watch it. <laughs> I like, you know, Miracle on 34th Street, It's a Wonderful Life, Elf. I'm not putting Die Hard in there. I'm sorry. I'm, not <laughs> I'm with you, Mike. You know? I'm going to send it to you for Christmas, Mike. <laughs> All right, what's the movie that you guys maybe just saw recently or took a long time to see that people gave you a hard time about. Ooh, that's a good question. You know, I'm, I'm usually right on the mark with movies um, because I'm, I'm a big movie fan. I, I, I make a point of seeing all the nominated movies for the Academy Awards, you know, before the, before the awards and things like that. So I, I usually don't miss, don't miss them. Um, but <laughs> I, so I, can't, I can't give you an answer on that. I don't know. I, Maybe we'll table that for next week. That's a good one because, you know, Mike, I know there's an answer. I have one. I just got to uh, think of it. Like Roy. I'm usually the guy who's doing that, you know, saying that. Like, what do you mean you haven't seen that movie? What are you right. talking exactly. about? Yeah. Roy's that yeah. guy. <laughs> like, what have you been doing? <laughs> um, all right. Well, I got, I have, you know, we have plenty of fodder for our three and out in pop culture. Well, listen, uh, happy uh, 30th episode to everybody. Uh, but see, that's, what, how, that's what, how Roy answers the bell, Justin. We don't script this stuff. I throw him all these Bucks questions. I throw him pop culture, and he nails it every time. Uh, great job, Roy. Uh, great job, Justin. Uh, that's our 30th podcast. A few extra bucks. We appreciate you listening in. Please subscribe to PeterPirates.com. It is free. We still have to do the poll. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. Uh, we have a poll, and it is uh, – I'll let Justin kind of take care of this, but I was definitely in the minority picking Billy Joel over Elton John. Uh, what did our – what did our pollers say? Pollsters. All right. Well, first, like you said, to set it up, a couple of weeks ago, it was very controversial. One of your uh, third and out questions was, who was better, Elton John or Billy Joel? Roy and I ganged up against you. We both picked Elton John. You were the sole Billy Joel uh, fan, should I say. So we decided to put a poll on the website and approximately four out of seven voters, or about 57%, are y'all ready? Yep. <laughs> they picked Billy Joel over Elton John. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> are you kidding me? I am serious. I was shocked too, Roy, but 
I guess there's a lot more Billy Joel this, fans out there. This shakes my faith in humanity. I, 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 I'm concerned about where we're headed as a, as a species. Well, look, if it makes you feel better, they're just released this week, a trailer for a movie called rocket man. And it's a biopic about Elton John. So apparently he's good enough to get a movie, but not good enough to be a fan wow, favorite. So. That's amazing. It's not well, about Roger Clemens. Amazing. Say that again, Mike. It's not about Roger Clemens. No, it's Are not we sure Roger. the Russians didn't hack into our voting <laughs> system? You want to recount? Is that what you're saying? Big, big news. <laughs> you know, I, I, I was I actually. Can hear it now. I can hear it now. Uh, Billy Joel. There, there was no hacking. There was no collusion. <laughs> Big news. I'm not so sure. You know, I was driving the other day, and I listened to Piano Man, and that is an excellent song. It's a well-written song. You know, it is a good it, song. There, we're not saying that Billy Joel's not talented. We're just actually, Roy did a couple weeks ago. Kind of hinted that he was overrated a little bit. It, 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 well, I do think he's overrated. It is an excellent song. It really, I mean, give it all full marks. It's almost as good as Goodbye Yellow Book Road. So, you know, it's, that's that's how I say it. You know, that's, that's how I look at it. All right. All right. Well, listen, uh, we're going to put more polls on the website. And, of course, we love the pop culture references. We try to mix everything in the podcast. Good job, Justin. Uh, great job, Roy. Um, I'm Mike Neighbors. Thanks to our, to our title sponsors, House of Brews and Lutes, on the corner of North Del Mabry and Van Dyke. And, of course, Sea Dog Brewing Company, Treasure Island on the Beach, and in Clearwater. Uh, please subscribe to PeterPyrus.com. We will see you next week. Enjoy the bye weekend, Bucks fans. Bye.